0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com So it was a dream, it's no longer a dream, it's a reality. My first book is written, um, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> and it's, um, it's going to come out in Elul, it's going to come out in the beginning of September for Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, and it's of course a book on HaKar Setov. Um I have to say that the person that really pushed me to do this was Akash Re-Rosh. <laughs> because it really it really came from that year where I spoke about that Akhfarish could not sleep um, it's um, it's a lesson a day it's it's 180 um lessons and it's the cycle is twice a year so um for Hashem and um, i have to say that uh, of course there's um we're, we're just like many others svarim. every single day you're able um if somebody would like to uh, or a birthday or whatever whatever is going on special in their life so they can dedicate um, they can dedicate that day we have 360 dedications we no longer have 360 dedications left because last night I gave a shear by the boys and I told them that um, that we're, every day can be dedicated the way I wrote it the way it's written um, together with Rabbi with, um Rabbi Shimon Finkelman, it, it's written the same way as Chafetz Chaim wrote a lesson a day, because we really want it to be taught in school, not just to be read. So every single day is a different lesson. It's it's a lesson, it's a two-page lesson. One is a story, and one is like a halacha in in Hakar Satov. And um, so therefore we're looking for 360 dedications, that's what we can have. So first come, first serve. So last night after my shir, a boy walked out to me and says, Rabbi, I got day 26. You gave off okay. K. I want day 26. You got day 26. Day 26 is gone. So you have uh, you have from one through three through three, through, um, through 360. Um, and um, whoever would like to dedicate, you can either next week come in and, and give me your dedication and of course write it down very carefully, or you can call our Nava, which is O H R seven one eight O H R N A A V. My extension is 15. Just leave your information or I'll, I'll call you back And we hope to have all these dedications in, of course, before the book I have to say that I'm very excited Because the the book, the outside cover of the book itself The whole book was dedicated by one of my Talmidim um, Yesterday And um, it's what goes around, comes around, as they say So he, Baruch Hashem, dedicated his Rebbe's first book uh, But every single day, you know Dedication, chala, birthday, you know, whatever it is we only have 360 dedications, so that's not a lot of dedications. Um, dedication for a day is $360. So that's the whole dedication. Of course, you want to give more. The money does not go to Robert Wallstein. The money goes to our novel. That's all this money. We're just doing this. I didn't write the book to raise money, but the money that goes in is going to our novel. So it's a it's a win-win. You dedicate, and the money that you're giving is dedicated to help girls. So like, it's like, Wow. And our doesn't take any money from it, so it goes straight to the girls. So I'm very, very excited with a dream. And um, you know, my rebbe said we have to start writing svarim. So everyone who's watching, call seven one eight O H R N A A V, extension fifteen. After I have three hundred sixty dedications, we're done. That's it. So um, very, very excited. I, I really feel it's a big game changer. Um, the more, the more, and more, and more, not only this generation, but if you, let me put it this way, Rabbi Finkelman is a big tzaddik, and he wrote all the books for, on, on Shemir Salashim. He told me when he finished the book, he said, my whole life changed, his life changed. He said, I didn't know that Akar Satov was so extensive. So if his life changed, and he's already like a huge tzaddik, it's a, it's a, it's a life changer. Listen, without Akharas Satov, you can't have a marriage. You can't be married if you don't appreciate what, what your wife does or what your husband does. You can't have a relationship with your parents. And you can't have a relationship with Hashem. And, and more and more, kids today, I mean, I'm not saying I, I was any better. You know, across the top is very hard to, to appreciate. But like kids today, they're like, they're like so out of hand. They're like, like Rabbi Wall Street, what do you mean my, my mother bought me an iPhone 5? I should thank her. She's my mother. That's her job. I'm like, really? Like, she signed in to, uh, yeah, that's her job. My parents' job to buy me a car. And my parents' job. And, and then, and, and, and like, guys are like, what, what, I should have a cut stuff to my wife? That she makes me suffer every night? It's her job. I mean, that's a woman's job. And like, a and, and, and some women are like, you know, my husband's struggling with Parnosa. Well, he's not doing his job. You know, he's struggling with Parnassa. He's not doing his job. Isn't it a man's job to make a living? You well, know, sometimes a person struggles with Parnassa. So it, all of a sudden, everything became everybody's job. So when it comes to, when it comes to job, that's not a relationship. When you work, that's not a relationship. So, and then of course, Hashem, you put me in this world, like, hey, you know, you gotta take care of me. Like, it's your job to make sure that everything in my life is perfect. So everybody's walking around that they don't owe anybody anything, cause it's everybody's job. It's my teacher's job, my mother's job, my, my everybody's job. And, and it's not anybody's job. And, and the more you learn, you'll see stories. I mean, we wrote this book. There's 180 lessons, right? We could write, a thousand lessons. It's non, it's not, I mean, it, we just, the first book, but it's, it's like, you just go, I, I mentioned to a big tzaddik in Eretz Testro that I'm writing a book on Akar Satov. I sat there for two hours, he told me one story after another story that I never heard before. Of this man and this tzaddik and this, it's like, it's huge. It's huge, and it's really, it's really a game changer, and it's a, it's a big schus for me. Um, I don't know why Hashem's giving me this schus, but it's a very big schus for me to be able to, to be part of this, this movement, I feel, it's going to be a movement. Um, on Akhar Shtove is going to be much bigger, um, much bigger than I thought. So we have a book on Akhar Satov. I'm working right now, trying to get uh, Sefer Zachronos, together with a separate book, which will be a sort of a diary, but done like the King Akhshverush is, like a very beautiful diary. Um, together with Yona Weinrib, who does all the Judaica, the beautiful Judaica, where you can actually buy an elo, a, 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 diary, but the diary will, will it's not just some a diary in the, it, it's written with a, each, each day has a to your mother, to your father, to your, to your, to, to all these different things that you can write in. And there's a page or two pages with automatic things that you can look at. In other words, how to write it. Some people don't even know how to write a tov, right? So that's a separate book, totally separate, where Akashverosh had a say for He was a guy. How can we Jewish people, we don't go at night, we don't, we don't write down what people do for us so that when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, you can go back nine months and say, oh my gosh, I gotta call this girl. You know what she did for me? Totally forgot about it. So, we're, we're trying to create the safest in front of us also. And then, the third phase, which is huge, I can't tell you about. Cause, because until we do it, that idea is such a big idea that, um, it might be taken by other people, so I have you have to wait until I get it done, but it blows everything out of proportion totally. So, Hashem. Um, some of you can figure it out, some of you can't. But we're we're very very excited. See, we have nothing to do in novel. so we decided that uh, you know we'll do our karshatov. Anyway, it's huge and it's 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 fantastic, and I'm very very excited that Hashem gave me this um, gave me this chus. Okay, now that that we did a little advertisement here tonight for my book. Um, and we'll have a book signing. Whoa. Oh. Okay. Except with my handwriting, you will not be able to read what I'm writing, right? So maybe we'll just get a stamp or something. I don't know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Alright. Anyway. So there's a Mishnah in this last, this past week was, was the first Terek. So this is called the Chapters of the Fathers and there's six chapters of the Fathers and it really talks about mostly medos, how a person should behave. And the reason that we, the reason that we learn it from Pesach to Shavuos, and then through the whole summer, is because the whole reason of Svirah is that um, that the, the 24,000 Talmidim of Rabbi Kiva died because Ben Al-Mahaveiro, they didn't get along. There was the, the person, personal traits that were not so good. So Pirkei al really talks about personal traits, right? Ben Al-Mahaveiro, Ben And we continue learning it after Shavuos, because in the summertime, we have all these Saharas, There's a certain... Freedom in the air in the summer. It's just, you just feel it. Of course, nobody's dressed correctly in the city, and, and there's a, a, a the, the non-Jewish world, and even sometimes the Jewish world, there's a certain freedom, but it's in the air, sort of. It's sort of like, wow, it's hot outside. It's like, I can do pretty much whatever I want. It's just a summer psychology. And um, I think it comes from that you're coming out of the winter, and you're coming out of dead trees, and all of a sudden there's leaves, and there's flowers, and there's life, and everybody's out of their house. So there's this type of freedom feeling that, you know, ah, I and you're not in school. So it's like very, really different. So Pirkei Avro, specifically during the summer months, is to teach us how to behave. How to behave. Okay. So, in the last, there are, there are six chapters. The first five chapters are Mishnas, written by Tanaim. Okay. The sixth chapter, which was not last week, but the week before, is not are not Mishnahs. They're not Mishnahs. They're called Braces. That's what they're called. Braces. What is a Brisa? So, there's a group of rabbis called Tanoim. They wrote the Mishnah. There's a group of rabbis called Amoraim. They wrote their later, right? They wrote the Gemara. Then you have the Rishonim. Okay, so it works like this. Torah Peh explains Torah Shabik Sav. So Moshe Benu, we have, the Torah, we have Tanakh, Torah and Then, right, Torah Shibal Peh is the Mishnah. The Mishnah explains the Torah Shabik Those are the Tanon. The Amaram, which is the Gemara, explains the Mishnah. Okay? Then came after the Amorayim, the Rishonim. The Rishonim explained the Gemara, the Amoram. And then came the Achronim. The Achronim, so you have, you have... Toshibik you have the Gemara, which is written by Tanaim. Then you have, yeah, I'm sorry, you have the Mishnah, which is written by Tannaim. Then you have Gemara, which is written by Amoram. And then you have the Rishonim, and then you have the Achronim. Now, there are certain Mishnahs that were left out of the Mishnais. In other words, they were written by Tanaim, but they didn't get into the book. They didn't get into the Mishnais. Those are called Brice's. So the Braises are written by Tanaim. They never got into Mishnah. The six Perek in Pirkei Olmos are Braises. They're written by Tanaim, but it didn't get into the Mishnah. Okay, I have to tell you that there was one girl in my seminary on Monday that I said, who wrote the Gemara? And she's like, who wrote the Mishnah? Tanaim. Who wrote the Gemara? Amarom. I'm like, wow. Then she said, Rishonim and Akronim. I said, what's a Braisa? She goes, oh, brisa." Bryce is Tanaim that uh, wrote Mishnah, but didn't get into the Mishnah. I was like, "Wow, where did you go to, sh- where did you go to school?" She goes, nah, "I was a boy Yeshiva." Okay, anyway, kidding, I'm kidding. So she, I was very I, not that I'm shach of some, you all know this, but it's not something that they really teach usually in girls' schools. She knew it; she knew it cold. Anyway, so what I'm telling you now is a Baisa, and it's in Pirkei Avos that doesn't tell stories. One of the last missions in the sixth parrot, which is the end, there's a story. I want to tell you this story. Um, Rabbi Yaisi ben, ben Kisma said, mahalach vaderech. I was once walking on the way. U adam echad. Now, Pagga means more than he met him. Pagga means sort of when you're walking out the door and someone's walking in and you banged into him. Like he banged into me. A person banged into me. I met this person, but really, like, wow. We just, like, it was like, I didn't expect it. It, was, it wasn't like, Shalom Aleichem how are you? We sort of, like, banged into each other. Okay and this person that banged into me, Rabbi Yisachar Ben Kitzvah says, said hello, shalom aleichem. exactly So I said aleichem shalom, amali. So this person said to me, Rabbi, Rabbi, me'ezem mokemata. Where do you come from? From what place do you come? Or matilo, Rabbi Yisachar Ben Kitzvah said. So I answered him, me'ir gedolish ol chachamim from ani. Where do I come from? I come from a huge city, of great wise men, and tzaddikim. Okay, very nice. Amali. So the man said to Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma, "Rabbi, Rabbi, Ritzeincha, shita de He said to me, "Rabbi, would it be your will that you should live with us in my place? That you should come to our my city?" And if you come to my city, Rabbi, which nobody ever offered me, Rabbi, you come to my city, we're going to give you hundreds of thousands of of, of money in gold and in in jewels and in diamonds. Right? What an offer. So Rabbi bin Kisma said, Really? I said to him, I said to him, if you give me all the money and all the gold and all the silver in the world, I'm not interested in going where you are. I only live in a Makam taira. And he says, how to, and he, he's giving him Muslim now. He says, as it says, In Tehillim, Better for me, I would rather have the tyra of your mouth than all the money in the world. The you Rabbi to tells this man, And not only that, When a person dies, when a person dies, they don't give you your money. Malavim, what does that mean? How would you say malavim? It sort of doesn't. um, When it doesn't, it doesn't escort you, right? All your money will not escort you. Only Torah and my sin, only good deeds. Five kashas on this Mishnah. Okay, I'm going to give you ladies five questions on this Mishnah. Number one. What does it mean? It's a very strong language. Like, someone banged into me. I met somebody. Right? Why would he tell us that someone banged into him? It's a very, not the Lushan of meeting, right? Number one. Number two. We know the Gemara says that there was a tzaddik that never in his life said, Aleikum Shalom. Never in his life said, Aleikum Shalom. Because the tzaddik is always supposed to say, Kidamta. He's supposed to say, Shalom Aleichem first. So this rabbi never answered someone else, because before they can get a chance to say, Shalom Aleichem, he said, Shalom Aleichem. So if that's the case, that a rabbi is always supposed to say, Shalom Aleichem first, here he's saying that I met this man, but not Son li, Shalom. He said first, Shalom Aleichem. But exactly, what you and I answered him. Shalom, Rabbi. How come you didn't say Shalom come first? Question number two. Question number three. The man asked you a nice, fair question. He said, "Rabbi, where are you from?" Why didn't you answer the question? He said, "I'm from a place of tzaddikim." So that does that mean you're from Lakewood, Bedrock, Flatbush, Borough Park, the Five Towns? I don't want to insult anybody. Queens, Muncie. Right? Got to be careful. The Catskills? Rabbi, you didn't mention us, right? You shall I am? So, so when this guy... You didn't answer the question. I asked you where you're from and you tell me from a holy place. That could be anywhere. So if someone asked me, so Rabbi Wallstein, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, from a very holy place. Oh, you're from you No, I No, you know, No. You don't... Why don't answer the question. I'm from Flatbush. Why are, you, why are you not answering him the question? Why are you telling him this, right? So that's question number three. Now... This man tells him, the rabbi, Now, ritzayncha really means it's your will. and you all big diktat specialists, right? Ritzoncha means your will. So this man is telling Rabbi your will is to live with us. Wait, what, what do you mean? You want to ask me, if I, what are you, how are you telling me my will is to, no, my will is not to, so how, how is he making that statement? And if you come to our place, I'll give you millions of dollars. So he answers him back, if you gave me all the money in the world, I would only learn, I would only stay in a place of Torah. How did he know that this man did not have a beautiful, unbelievable kolel that paid a lot? This man didn't say, My place is not a place. Come to a place where there's no Torah and I'll pay you. He said, come to our place where I live and I'll pay you. Oh, so maybe this guy has Torah with money. How did he know? He answered him back. No, I would only live in a place where there's Torah. Maybe this guy has Torah. Maybe you should have asked him. By the way, outside of the money, do you have a yeshiva? Do you have a kailo? He already, for some reason, he knew that this guy didn't have any Torah in his place. And question number five, why are you giving him musr? Now you're going through a whole thing. You should know when you die, when he doesn't escort you, the man asks you a question. Where do you come from? That's all he asked you. What's this whole giving him musr? He didn't ask you for any musr. What's going on over here? So this Mishnah is a little bit strange. Not strange, but it's a little bit hard to understand. It's a beautiful answer. And Chazal say, no, 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 no. What you see in this Mishnah is not what you get at all. He says, this is what happens. He says, Rabi Yaisi ben Kisma is talking about a soul, a neshama that comes to this world. A person comes to this world one time, we hope no Gilgal. He says, I was once going in, my, in the way of my life, I was going through life. And I met who banged into me, the Satan. Shalom. So I didn't say hello to the Satan, right? I didn't push the enter button in my computer, right? The Satan said hello to me. Because you're not supposed to, is you're not supposed to give shalom to a rasha. If you see a person who's a rasha, walk away. Don't give them shalom. So of course I didn't give shalom to the Satan. Shalom. Okay, if he gives me shalom, then you have to you have to answer back. I'll let him shalom. So the Satan asked in the shama where do you come from? lo, the neshama answers back, where do I come from? Me shall for money. I come from a city, I come from the Takas Kisia hakavoy. I come from Ganeden. I come with this tadikim and chachamim and the holiest of the holy. That's where I come from. Ah, Omali, what does the Eitzahara say to the, to the neshama? That's where you come from. But Rabbi, but neshama! I know I'm the Satan. I know what you really want. It's your will that you should live with us, the dark side, the Satan side. I know. Don't give me your stories that come from the Kisha cover. You want to chill with us. You want to watch our movies. You want to have our fun. You want to be in the secular world. You you don't want to be in with Chachamim and Sadikim. So he tells, the, the, tells him the shama, with Sayyidcha, your will, you wanna, you wanna live with us. And if you live with us, if you do the wrong things, you're not gonna get punished, you're gonna get immediate gratification. That's what the Satan sells. When a person doesn't have Veira, he has immediate enjoyment, or he wouldn't do it. Afterwards, for two seconds, you feel bad. And Chazal say, why do you feel bad? You're waiting to do this at you plan to do this at the Aveira was great, it felt great, it was great, you saw this movie, whatever it was, you enjoyed yourself. So why are you feeling guilty? Why are you feeling guilty? I think it's the Chafetz Chaim that says this. He says, Because this Yai who got you to do all this wrong, he's also the rat. He's the one, he's the one that, that is the katega. He is the the the, the, the lawyer, right, who's prosecuting. So the minute you do that Aveira, he leaves your body, and he goes to Shemaim, and he runs in front of Hashem and says, I just want to record that so-and-so just did this and this. And then he comes back to you. So he says, when he's gone to report your Aveira, the only thing you have in you is your Yetzotayv. So that second after you do that Aveira, that you feel guilty, is because you don't have, the Yetzotayv is not there. Two minutes later, it's like, Hashem will forgive me. Ah, eh, I'm going to do it again. Maybe, whatever. Right away, where'd that feeling go? And the answer is, he comes right back. He reports, and he comes right back right away. He says, that's why you have that feeling of guilt. So this, the H.R. is telling you, not only I know this is your will, but there's a reward. You're going to have a good time. Amarti low, then Hashem says, nicely called Kess if you give me any, all this stuff, this immediate gratification... Any do album claim I'm not interested in all your stuff. I want to dwell in a place that there's tira. Why? Because as it says in Tehillim, "Tayvu Torahs Picham cause. sounds very good, but how is that going to stop you from doing the avera? So that's why he gives him muster and he says, "You're selling me kesef zov You're selling me immediate gratification." He says, "But Elu the consequence, the big C word, the consequence. That's going to be later on where I'm going to be, although after I die in the ground, that I'm going to go to Shemayim forever. The money doesn't go with me. Your fun and your movies and your internet, all that, your iPhone. Nobody gets buried with their iPhone. At least Jewish people don't, right? right? All that stuff's not going to go with me. So the consequence, the immediate gratification is not worth the long-term pain. So that's what's going on over here in this Mishnah. This is a, a discussion between a neshama, which is represented by Rabbi in ben Kisma and the satan. And it's very interesting, because in Megilas Rus, I gave a shir on Shvuis up in the mountains, when I was preparing the shir, you opened the first page in the Zayah, first page in the Zayah, on Migilas Rus, the Zayah says, of course he learns things also very differently, he says, Rus is also talking about a neshama, and the neshama in Megillahs Rus is Naomi, because the word Naomi, right, means beautiful, sweet. Naomi means beauty, right? And he says, "What's, be- what, what, what's beauty? The neshama that, that comes down to this world is beauty." And the Rus, the Rus in in the in the in Megillahs Rus represents the Torah. And he goes into a whole thing. Arpa, Arpa represents the Satan. She doesn't hold on. She does every single avera. Listen to this. Very scary so he says that so what did Naomi did they did a big Avera they went out and they left Klai Yisro they let them starve and they went to Arviz Moav right because they thought they'd have a good time over there so she says the following she says and the way the Zohar translates is the guf and the neshama they went together the guf and the neshama and they came to Beis Lechem, and he translates Beis Lechem as the next world, the house of bread. When they came to Beis Lechem, everybody in the city was shocked, right? And what did they say? Hazois Nami, Is this Naami? She came back in rags. Is this the Neshama that left 90 years ago and went down to the world? Now time I I'll me "Don't call me Naomi anymore, anymore, right? need I came to the world full. Barakhem Heshivani. But I'm coming back to the next world empty," says Yah. Naomi? Why should you call me Naomi anymore? I'm not beautiful anymore." So what he's saying is that and and he brings down, Isaiah brings down that every Nishama pretty scary Zaya I'm not going to tell you the whole Zaya but he says that every neshama Hashem takes from out under the Kisha Kavod and he personally takes the neshama and he shows the neshama Gehenim and he shows the suffering of all the Aveiras. then he takes the neshama to Eden and he shows the reward and before the neshama goes into the child that's being conceived Hashem makes the neshama swear the Zaya says and the neshama makes a shvua that I will keep the Torah in the Mitzvah when I come into the next world he makes such a shavuah. says, and then, everybody kisses it and gives it a bracha. The grandparents, the great-grandparents, all the tzaddikim of Ram Yitzchakim, everybody gives in a neshama bracha. Imagine, it's like a whole big deal. Before that thing gets, that neshama gets sent down, when the child's conceived. Right? And they all give it a bracha, that it should come back as a tzaddik, and it should be it should bring a chus to the world, and make a kid a shashem. And it gets all these bracha, and you can imagine, it's very excited. this neshama, right? Very, very excited to come into the world. And it comes in very beautiful. Jewish child, come on, it's the most beautiful, right, Jewish neshama. But then, it does a and a veris comes and a and they're all waiting, cause they made a shuwa, when the neshama comes back, they're like, okay, the neshama so-and-so, so-and-so, ben so-and-so, is back from their trip to the world. Okay, we re- we remember, made a shua, was, had all this hope, let's see what, let's see what's going on. And that's what she says. And they're all like, what? This is Na'ami. The desire says this. This is Na'ami. This is the Neshama that swore, that went down to the world. And the Neshama now gets to see itself in the next world. And it says, Nabuch. It says, don't call me Na'ami anymore. I, I don't have any beauty anymore. Call me Mara. Call me Biddy, Call, call me, call me, call me, um, uh, what's it called? Mara. Bitter. Call me bitter. I left Malaya. I left the other world full. Right, perfect, pure, and I came back empty. So, this is a story from the Chabad time. You must have all heard this. Somebody sent me because uh, it was on. It was my share last night, and it was on today on the radio. And he said, "I want you to know, I heard this story in fourth grade, but when you said it, it sounded different than what I heard in fourth grade." I'm like, "Hey, uh, they didn't have." I talked about American Express Black Card. They didn't have that when he was in fourth grade. But anyway, I will just tell you, it's it's so true, and it's um, and it's so real. So I'm I'm going to end with that story. So I, I want to go just before it... I, I want to go back a little bit. Just remind me that because I'm a little ADHD I'm gonna forget, um, that I'm going to forget that I need to end with that story. But before I end with that story, I want to tell you something that I spoke about this week in Paraklesha on this past Shabbos. And there's a Mishnah here. There's a few missioners here. Um, so there's one missioner really is for the boys. It's not really for the girls. Um, but girls get very insulted. So maybe I should... I should, um, explain this Mishnah. Girls get ex- insulted. Alright, so I'm going to explain to you this Mishnah very fast. It talks about talking to women. Mishnah hey. He said, Your house should be open wide for people, the door's wide for people to come and do chesed. And the, the, the poor people, should be, not, b'nei, not that your family should be poor, but you should treat the poor like their family, like B'nai B'isecha. Don't talk to women. Right? Don't talk too much to women. Now you would think, that makes sense, right? From it's needs to a point, it's talking to men. What are you talking to women for, right? We all know that 90% of emotional relationships turn physical. So, the emotional relationship is much worse than the physical. I mean, it ends up in a much worse place because, yeah, you talk, and she has a problem with her marriage, and she says how bad her husband is, even though he's a doll, and, and he starts to listen, and she's like, wow, you're unbelievable. I see how you treat your wife. You remember her birthday. It's a trap. The whole thing's a trap. It's so the Satan trap. Chava, his whole trap was that when he started to talk to her, she started answering him back. He says, like, wow, you let to eat from trees. Which trees? How trees? She wasn't even created when Hashem told Adam that you can't eat from the tree. So she never heard the commandment. She only heard it from Adam. So why did she answer him? She should have said, I don't know anything. I wasn't there. Go ask my husband. But she started to answer him. The minute she started to answer him, he knew. Renochash knew. That's why it says Ki-Erim. He was very shrewd. He just wanted to get her to talk to him. Once he got her to talk to him, in the end, in the end, it was a lot worse than anybody thinks it was. The Zayar talks about it. The Medrash talks about it. In the end, he did something with her. It's not Stam that he talked to her. It was a lot worse than that. And 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 from that came all the tumma and everything that a woman has to go through is because he put Zuhamma, he did something to her so it came from talking to this nachash right who at that time was a little bit like a human he stood up on his feet she should have never talked to him at all if somebody wants to talk to you in school some guy at work you want you want to talk about a relationship go talk to a psychiatrist, psychologist don't talk to me you want to know about Judaism go online and go to Esha Torah why are you asking me don't yeah and women are born with maternal instincts. What's a maternal instinct? To take care and to nurture. someone's we know that, us guys, we know that. So we want to get you. That's that's the plug we go after. We know that you're maternal. Then you want to cure, and it's like, oh, you know, ever since I met you, started putting on filling." and she's like, wow, look what I did, right? They're not shamanigiyah. They're doing chayef kares all the time. But she's like, Ramai, since he met me, he's he's going to his mother. Baloney, but that's what he tells her, right? And he gets her for shacharis. So, why is he getting up shackles for you? He's supposed to get up shackles for Hashem. He's not diving to you, I hope, right? So, so they, they know very much that if they go on the maternal side, and this happens in the workplace, and this happens in college, and this happens all over the place, right? And, and us guys know that, you know? How do you get a girl? You, 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 you make her take care of you. If she takes care of you, that's why girls like pets. That's why girls have dolls. <laughs> guys don't have dolls. Why do girls buy dolls? They buy dolls, not because they're stupid. Because a little girl still has the maternal instinct to feed, to nurture, to take care. So I remember, I have, I have daughters, that when they, when they came out, I don't know, 20 years ago, they came out with a doll that you actually feed with a bottle, right? And the bottle goes, in, and it's like a fake bottle, whatever it is, and, it, and, and you diaper, and you feed, and you diaper, forget it, the thing's sold out. Because feeding, diapering... That's, that's nurturing, right? And then when they had all those cabbage patch dolls and all those mishugasim, right? Why did it go crazy? Guys didn't buy cabbage patch dolls. I'm looking at that. That's one ugly doll. Alright. Why are they buying that, right? So what was, the, what was the marketing in the cabbage patch doll? You could not get, I remember I tried to buy it for my kids. You could not get Hanukkah a cabbage patch doll. You could not get it. You have to order online and wait six months. What was their, what was their brilliance? Because the cabbage patch, each doll has a name and you're sort of adopting that doll. Every girl wants to adopt something because it's normal that she wants to nurture, and she's maternal. So that's why girls play with dolls. That's why girls like horses. That's why girls like pets, because they want to take care of something. I have to tell you something that, that a while back, there was a girl, that, a young girl, that was totally out of control. Uh, young, I'm talking about young, I'm I'm not talking about 14, I'm talking seven, eight out of control and they tried therapy and they tried everything and they came to me and they were like, we don't know what to do with her and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, she went to this therapist and they gave her medicine and she's just out of control and I said, buy her a pet and they're like, huh? I'm like, buy her a pet and they're like, what should we buy her? and I said, fish, no good, she has to touch it, turtle, cold clammy not what she needs I said either a rabbit a baby rabbit don't buy two because they don't have six thousand. One rabbit <laughs> or one kit or a kitten whatever you want a rabbit or a kitten I think maybe better a rabbit than a kitten because a rabbit's like she can't have a rabbit cats are all over the place So try a rabbit new girl new girl at home new girl in school she has something to love to nurture to pet, to feed different girl nobody understands why, I understand why right, cause a girl needs to feel that she's doing something, this is an 8 year old girl, so going to not saying therapy, what am I doing I'm going to therapy, so someone's doing something for me everyone's doing something for me now I have a rabbit, that I'm doing everything for changed this kid, now I'm not telling anyone to go buy a pet, right But a doll would not have worked. She has a live little rabbit, nice little warm cuddly little thing that's her that she takes care of. She walks around the house. She's quiet. In school they're like, what would you do to this girl? She's a different person. Because women need to take care of something. Men know that. So to get a woman emotionally involved like he did, the Nachash did, is a very, very dangerous thing for the man and for the woman. Therefore, the Mishnah tells us, right, that you should not be talking to women. Now, you would think that he's talking about strange, no, I don't mean strange women, that sounds silly. Um, women that he doesn't know, right? No. Don't get angry until I explain it, this is what the Mishnah says. <laughs> Give me a chance to explain what I'm about to say. You ready for this? You're not going to like it. Well, you shouldn't talk much to women. Who are we talking about? ishto shouldn't talk a lot to your wife. Talk, calm down, calm down. Okay, wait, wait. Amru, <laughs> surely if you shouldn't talk a lot to your wife, surely if you shouldn't talk a lot to your wife, you definitely shouldn't talk to your friend's wife. Now, everyone's going to get very angry because if I talk about it a lot. You need to talk to your wife. You need communication skills. The most important thing in Shalom Bayes is that the man talks to his wife, not on his phone to everyone else. Talk to your wife. Every Rebbe says... Am I ready? You gotta spend time with your wife. Go away. Go on vacation. Talk to your wife. The Mishnah says. Al sicham Isha, the Don't talk a lot to your wife. And it says, Mikanam sicham Isha, person who speaks a lot to women, go and roll is gonna cause evil to himself. Torah he will stop learning Torah, the Saifa him in the end he will go to hell. That's what the Mishnah says. Now what's going on over here? Why does the Mishnah say you shouldn't talk to your wife? Just the opposite, you should talk to your wife. So the Mishnah explains, the explanation on the Mishnah is as follows, and it is so true. It doesn't mean you shouldn't talk to your wife about things and life and family and stuff like that. You shouldn't come home and tell your wife all the things that people did to you. Because in the end, you will forgive. You will forgive. But they will not forgive. Now, I can tell you 1 million percent. In fact, one of the boys by my sheer. His wife will not talk to his parents. Cousins will not go to the weddings. Will go nowhere. Why? Because when he was dating her, he told how, much, how abusive his family was to him. So now he has a huge problem because he forgave them. And he wants to go to the weddings. And he wants to go to bar mitzvahs. And he wants to go to bas mitzvahs. And she's like, not over my dead body. You are not going. Those people abused you. You're not going back into that family. So he forgave... But she did not forgive. Why? Because a person can, can forgive for his own comfort. You hurt me, I can forgive you. You hurt my wife, I'm not forgiving you. If you insult my wife, I'm not forgiving you, even if she forgives you. Because that's my wife. So the mission says, a man should not come home and say, you know, you know what happened in shul today? You know The Rami." you know he, he, he shushed me in front of everyone he embarrassed me I don't know if I'm going to dive in there anymore and then like the next day the rabbi calls him he's like I'm sorry I didn't realize he's like okay rabbi I'm coming for kiddush to you and everything's fine and she's like no you're not going to that shul anymore you are not going to that shul that man no that's, you, I, If you go, it's me or him <laughs> she's like, hello I forgave him I don't care I don't forgive him it's me or him <laughs> this, is, this is what the mission is talking about not don't 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 talk about stuff because she won't let go you're going to want to let go and it's going to be too late Don't come home with all the drama and all the Lush and Hara and all that stuff and actually next week's parsha it says that if Korach Korach came home and and told his wife that Moshe Benu what happened next week's Pasha is that the Levim, they were shaved, all their hair was shaven. They went to the mikvah and then they waved each Levi in public, Tnufa, and then they started their avoda. He came home and he said to his wife, you know, uh, first of all, she said, you look silly. You have no hair on your body. Their whole body they shaved, Like You look like a monkey, okay? And um, Moshe Rabbeinu did this because he wanted to make fun. He wanted you to look stupid, right? He should have never told her what happened and everything. He told her everything was this and that. So in the end, he might have let go. She didn't let him let go. In the end, she made up all kinds of stories and she didn't let him go. And she, and it says, where do you see a good woman, bad woman? Karach's wife made him, and and they ended up losing everything, the family, everything got swallowed up. And Om Ben wife, who was part of it, made sure he fell asleep, uncovered her hair, they wouldn't come and take him. He ended up, his life being saved. So they show the two you know, the two opposite sides. That's what the mission is talking about. The mission doesn't say you shouldn't talk to your wife. Don't bring home the schmutz, because she won't let go. Even if you let go, she will not let go. So what are you bringing it home for? Right? And I have this boy that he can't go anywhere. Can't go anywhere. And, I, and I, he has to stay with his wife. There's nothing to talk about. But, you know, if, if, if the Shabbos this and this and that, he can't go. Because he was busy complaining when they were dating, how bad his family was. So she did, she will not forgive them. They abused you and you're my husband and I love you. No, we're not going to those abusers. They didn't abuse him, whatever it was, but that's it, done. So that's what it means. Okay. So we'll follow the story and then I'll let you go. So that's one Mishnah. Another Mishnah says, which is also so true, um, that a person Yeshua ben Prakhim, you tell a bell ben Yeshua I say everybody has to have a Rebbe. I tell girls who date, if you're going out with a guy, you ask him, who's your Rebbe? And he goes, no, no, I don't need one. I I, I, I know what I'm doing. I can do it. I, I can pass it on my own. Run for your life. Run for your life. That means he has no hadracha. That means he has no one to go to ask questions. There's nobody leading him. Run for your life. Every person has to have a Rebbe, right? In fact, there was one Mekubbal that I used to know who we weren't sure if he, if, they were, if he was kosher or not. So one day I asked him, by the way, who's your Rebbe? No, no, Hashem talks directly to me. I'm like, bye bye. <laughs> I said, you don't need a rebbe. No, no, Hashem talks directly to me. I'm like, okay, have a good day. The only one I know Hashem talks directly to is Moshe Ben, and you're not Moshe Benu. So, so yeah, the person, the, the the boy you're going out with needs to have a rebbe. If you're married, your husband needs to have a rav. A husband without a rav is not going to work. I say, everybody has to have a rabbi. Okay, uknel lechol everybody has to have a friend. Everybody has to have a friend. Now, all of a sudden, the Mishnah takes a right turn. They have, have a done, it's called the Adam And you need to judge everybody favorably. Why is that in this Mishnah? That should be in a different Mishnah. And the answer is amazing. If you want to have a Rebbe, and you want to have a friend, the only way to have a Rebbe and a friend is if you judge everybody favorably. Because your friend will hurt you. And your friend will say something that you think is really bad. And your rabbi will say something that, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Right? So you cannot have a rabbi and you cannot have a friend if you don't judge people favorably. It won't last. Because if your heart, if you, the rabbi said something, maybe, but, but maybe he didn't mean you. And, and maybe he meant something else. In other words, to have a relationship with a husband and a wife or with anybody you have to be down so this has to be in the Mishnah I can't tell you have a rabbi have a friend and not tell you and you have to judge everyone freely. because if you don't have that third ingredient having the rabbi and having the chavah is not going to last <coughs> last Mishnah so you need something to drink and all seems water there you go okay so oh, Amen wow unbelievable okay you know what, maybe you'll write me a poem listen, I'm serious on mm-hmm. Satov. on appreciation and we'll put that in the in the book yeah. I would do that I would love to have that in the front of the book before we start the book, a poem on on gratitude no, let's, let's do it on a second book second book? Mm-hmm. why? <laughs> because what's wrong with the one, first book? Well, this one is already <laughs> no, it's not printed I it's written, now it has to be edited and everything else. It is it, edited. No, no, I'm not talking about like your poem book. I'm talking about my book. Oh, oh In my your book, book. book on gratitude, oh, your book. I would have your page, a poem on gratitude in the beginning. I didn't understand. Are you kidding me? Yes. Million books out there with your poem. Thank you. You better take another drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Can you do it? Can you do it? You can do it? Okay, I, I'm asking you to, to write me a poem. <laughs> I'm asking you to write me a poem, my gratitude. Hakar Satov is recognizing the good. It, it means gratitude. I'll give you two weeks. Give me liquor. Oh, liquor? Okay. Uh-uh. Not me. All right. Listen, it's like mine. Whatever you think it is, that's what it is. Okay. So, we're going to end with this Mishnah, and then the story I'm going to tell you next week. No, next week. Story's next week. It's too late. I'll tell you the story next week. Okay. You have to have something for next week. So listen to this. So I was invited, I don't know, it must have been about a year and a half or two years. There's a, there's a very, very famous um, hospital in Boston. Um, it's, it's a hospital for mental health. And there was a girl that I was dealing with that was in this hospital. It's considered the best, the best hospital for mental health in the United States, maybe in the world. They charge $45,000 a month. Okay? So this is like, this is big time. I drove up there. This is all doctors. Everybody, every room that had one, a therapist in it had like 40 letters after their name. You know, Mr. You know, Abrams, F-F-A-C-P-C-D-G-H-A, right? Whatever it is. I'm like, okay. I'm like, Z- I'm Z-W. They're like, ooh, really? It's Wallstein. Oh, okay. Anyway. Where did where did you um like, you know, where did you go to graduate school? I'm like, Miriushiva in uh in Brooklyn. Talmudical Academy. Oh, really? Very nice. I'm like, okay. So anyway, um so it's a little scary. Anyway, it's very long story short. So so when I talked to this girl, there always had to be two doctors in the room to hear what I was saying, because I'm not I don't have all those letters after my name. So who knows what he might say. He might just make things worse. So they would sit there and they would listen and I'm talking about Avram and Moshe and all this other stuff and they're like Wow. Okay. So I get a call from them. They're like, Rabbi, would you come down? We'll have a group of our therapists. These are the the top doctors in mental health. We'd like you to give a a half an hour to 40 minute... They didn't call it a speech. They had a different fancy word for it. Because we're not used to working with religious girls. And we don't know their void and what they need. And we now have in these different houses. They have a house for anorexia and a house for this and a house for that. So uh, we would love to... You know, if you could give us an insight, mental health from an orthodox rabbi's point of view. And I'm thinking, call Rabbi Abraham Twersky, like, well, you know what I mean? On the other hand, I'm thinking $45,000 a month. You know, maybe I'll get a job here. So, so, huh? Yeah, right. Okay, but I, it's, I wasn't getting paid for this. And I figured, you know what? We'll make a kiddush Hashem. Fine. Now, there's a lot of 12-step. I don't know if you know 12-step AA, right? There's a lot of this. This is part of the rehab, whatever it is. So I walk in there and I'm like, I don't have an opinion on mental health. I don't have an opinion. You see, our Torah, everything's in it. I started with the whole thing with Moshe Rabbeinu. Nobody listens to me. Nobody talks. He had a learning disability. And how God, you know, told him that you're, you can do anything and you can save the Jews. And they were like, wow, I know the Bible. I never looked at it that way. It's so th- the Bible is so therapeutic. I'm like, yeah, right? Very right, cool okay, Really, it was really cool I was like, you know, I was into it I was into it, because these are all these very big professional people and I'm like, okay, anyway I said, I try to explain what a mission is, I'm like, there's this chapter of the fathers, and we learn it and um, all our mental health is in those chapters and I said, you know, we had AA, right, 12 steps way, 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 way in the times of the temple in the times that these rabbis live way before anybody else did I said I'll read you one of these verses and it's in the first parrot, and it says the following and who is it from? Hillel I think I told him the story how he was laying on the roof whatever I think I told him that also okay but I told him the following Mishnah who are you Oymah? Mishnah you're Dalit im ena nili if I am not for myself who will be for me? u me. And when I am for myself, what am I? And if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? So they're looking at me very quizzical. like, I understand, you're saying, if I'm not for myself, who's going to be for me? So that means you should be for yourself. But then it says, but if I am for myself, then I'm nobody. And they were like, what's going on here? Right? And I'm like, it's very simple. I said, it's AA. I said, it's the 12 steps. They said, all of you know, you're professionals, that if we drag a kid into rehab, right, and the kid is going because I said, my mother said, the the police said, the judge said, they're going to relapse. Why? Because it wasn't their decision. Now, when you do something for me, because I gave you a shear, and like, for me, go home and do this and that, it will not last. Because you don't own the decision. The only decisions that work are the ones that you own. In dieting, right? If you're dieting because this, that, the other thing, you're not going to end up keeping the weight off. If you're dieting because you came to realization, I just, I just don't feel good, I don't, this is no good, then it will stick. A person will stop smoking because, not because her mother, his mother or his friend said it, because He is realizing that this will kill me. I won't see my grandchildren. And he stops for that reason. He will never smoke again. But the guy that stopped, I have a lot of friends that stopped because his wife said, this said, that said. Two years later, they're doing it again. You have to own your decisions. So a kid that walks into my high school, if you come to my high school because your mother and father brought you, I don't accept you. I will not take you to my high school. I will only take you to my high school if you brought your parents. It's like, we don't want her to go there. And she's like, no, I have to go there. I like you then. Because you made the decision to go. If you made the decision to go, you're gonna do your best. If you're doing it for your parents, I had a girl that came to me and said, Ray Watson, I wanna to come to your school. I'm six, I'm seventeen. I'm like, okay, great. And we're gonna pay full. I'm like, great. I'm like, why are you coming to my school? And she's like, my mother promised me if I get off the streets and go back to school and get a diploma, she's gonna buy me a car. I said, bye. You're not coming into my school. What do you mean? I'm like, you're coming to my school for a car, it ain't gonna work. You have to come to my school because you realize that this is what you need. So in anything in life, you have to own the decision. If you daven because your teacher told you to daven, eh, it's not going to be a daven. If you daven because you decided that davening is a connection to Hashem, everybody get out of her way because she's going to daven unbelievable. So we have only works when the person shows up at the front desk and says, I am dying. If I continue doing drugs, I will be dead. I need your help. That person will get better. So the mission is telling us, Im mi li, mi li, if I don't, if I'm not for myself, if I'm not doing this, what a mission, if I'm not doing this for myself, Im enanili, li, nobody else can do it for me. Right? My Humpty Dumpty. I think out of the box. What a silly song. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, you didn't think I was going to teach you this tonight, right? All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Very nice poem. I want to change the poem. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Same amount of words, and it rhymes. Isn't that a nicer story to teach a kid? So was this guy evil? What's wrong with this guy? He couldn't put it back together again? Why not? so I told the therapist, I know why not the guy who wrote the song was brilliant because all the king's men and all the king's horses can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again the only one that can put Humpty Dumpty back together again is Humpty Dumpty they're looking at me like huh? I'm like, that's right and that's why they're teaching it to kids all the kings don't depend on all the king's horses and all the king's men only Humpty Dumpty, you can fix yourself you have, to, you have to make that decision nobody can make that decision for you because then you don't own it you need to own your decisions I said, now the second part of the Mishnah Hillel says, okay so now I walked into the rehab now I decided that I want to change now I decided I want to get close to Hashem now I decided I want to dab it, now I decided I want to be at Snua. I don't want to wear those dresses anymore now I decided I don't want to go to movies can't do it without support You can't do it without, you can't do it by yourself. So I said to them, I said, really the mission is talking about God. And 12 steps, right? The first thing they talk about is you can't do it yourself. Read it. You can't do it yourself. You need to be connected to a higher power. Uh, Hello, higher power. It's talking about Hashem, right? So in in their books is now you want to change? You want to stop drinking? You want to stop drugging? You can't do it yourself. You need a support group. You need a higher power. You need a bunch of people around you telling you how great you are. You need a, a sponsor. You need a whole support group. The mission is telling us, really what the mission is saying, U Kishnana, asked me, if I think I can do it myself, Mo'ani, by myself, I'm nothing. It's a deep Mishnah. Mo'ani, what am I? Without Hashem's help, even though I made the decision, I want to get better. But if I don't have a... I'm, I'm not going to be a Tznuwa, and I'm not going to be able to change my life. I must have a Kodesh Baruch so now you have two parts of the Mishnah. One, I have to make a decision that this is what I want. Two, I need support. The Mishnah is talking about the support of God, but it also means support. I say, This is the Mishnah before. You need support. You need a rabbi, and you need a friend. The Mishnah is telling you you need support. And what's the third thing? So now everything's in place. You showed up, right? You showed up, but the bottom line is, if you're going to put it off, Amosai with the decision, with the help of Hashem, if you push things off, it'll never happen. You need all three. and They teach in AA the same thing. Now, you have, to stop, you have to go cold turkey now. I said the three main things that you have, number one, the person has to make the decision. Number two, he has to have a higher power. Number three, we have to do it now. Not I'll stop drinking tomorrow because then you'll never stop drinking. I said it's, a, it's, it's from the Talmudic times thousands of years ago they were like, wow and I was going to send them with with translation from the article to all of them, of course I never did because I said, I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it next week I'm busy right now, so of course it never happened and that's probably the most important part of the mission, you know, I do a lot of dieting you don't know that, but I do a lot of dieting because (laughs) because I have sugar so the way to really get rid of sugar without having medicine, you have to lose weight and stay off the carbs so I'm like, that's it, that's it I'm gonna lose ten pounds. I got baseball this summer, so I said I'm gonna I'm gonna do my diet from Pesach to Shavuot. I once lost I don't know if you remember I lost thirty pounds from Pesach to Shavuot because my daughter was getting married. I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm going cold turkey, no carbs, protein, protein, meat, fish. You know you know the diet: vegetables, meat, fish, protein. It's a great diet. You get a lot of energy, you lose a lot of weight, but once you go back to carbs. But anyway, that's it, I'm doing it. Okay. Didn't work. Okay, so two weeks ago like schwoz telling him like now i gotta do it it's getting to the sun i gotta i gotta play first base i'm not gonna be able to run to first base you're gonna have to carry me i gotta lose weight i'm like okay i'm doing it schwoz you can't diet on a holiday okay friday right after Schwartz, friday Shabbos. i'm like okay i'm gonna start this morning i gained weight on schwoz i ate late at night it's not good i'm starting on friday you can't start on a Friday. You girls know that. You never diet on a weekend. You don't start a diet on a Shabbos, right? So now it's Shabbos another six pounds. Now it's Sunday. This past Sunday. Okay. You don't start a diet on a Sunday. You look at any diet book. You never start on a Sunday. You start Monday morning. That's when you start a diet. You start Monday morning. So, Baruch Hashem. Shabbos, I didn't diet. Shabbos, I didn't diet. Sunday, I didn't diet. But Monday morning this past Monday tonight's Wednesday night right that's it I'm done I am starting a diet Sunday night my wife says to me you know Zechaya Monday night we have three weddings <laughs> I'm like you can't start a diet when you have weddings that's, you, you can't you can't sit there everyone is serving food serving food and a shmorg and one of them was in Terrace the best shmorg in the world right no so okay alright this week is out because now it's already Wednesday right and now you have Shabbos and then we have another Sunday so Mr. Shem next Monday. It ain't going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen. The Mishnah tells you, if you don't say, now, forget the Shabbos deal and the Sunday deal and the three weddings deal. You have to own the decision. Now, will I be here next Wednesday telling you that I'm on a diet for two days and it's working? Probably not. But, because I'm real. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And I really should start tonight. Right? But I'm in the middle of a wedding right now. I'm going back to the wedding. I don't know what the main dish is, but it's definitely going to be, have some starches in it. Right? So, so the end of the day, the end of the day, the mission is very right. When you you gotta stop cold turkey. And the only way you can stop cold turkey is if you have support. And the only way you can have support is if you make that decision. If I don't make that decision, then nobody else can make that decision for me. So I hope everyone in this room makes the right decisions. And mazrat Hashem, next week we should be in Yushalayim. Have the new have a very good chavez. You owe me a, a poem. Gratitude. A a poem of gratitude. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com.